Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listener. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we have another patron prompt coming to us from Jay, longtime patron. Jay, good to see you. Good to hear from you. And before we get into that, remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, skip that for now. Go straight to our Discord where you'll be able to talk to us directly and, uh, you know, just chat with us about world building stuff, about how I said talk weird just now. Uh, you of did, course, yeah, I noticed that. I, I did, yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah, Courtney, you're <laughs> interrupting the intro. What are you doing? I'm sorry. Jesus Christ, this is sacrilege, I swear. Anyway, well, now that the interruptions are out of the way, I will continue on and thank our beautiful patrons. Thank you all so much for your contributions. And if you want to join our patrons, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can go to our Patreon with the link for that in the episode or on our website. On our Patreon, you get early access to episodes, double the length of prompts that you submit, early episodes. Did I say early episodes already? No, I did. But what I actually meant to say was exclusive episodes, patron exclusive episodes, and of course, a patron only discord. If you want to chat with us in a more private lounge like setting and with all of that out of the way. We can get right into the prompt. So Jay has us exploring a crossover episode. Hello again, World Build With Us crew. It's Jay here. You knocked it out of the part with my sequel prompt for The Land of a Thousand Flavors. And you did such an amazing job that I just had to send you another where you revisit past prompts. But there's a twist once again. It's time for the crossover episode. Take two of your previous worlds. Jay, we're doing three because there's three of us. Hope you're not mad. And combine them, having their denizens meet. How and why can be up to you all, but the worlds must be basically able to mingle in a fashion that allows for trade, travel, and communication to be simple and easy. What does this new combined setting look like a hundred years after the initial event that brought the three worlds together? Are they physically merged, creating a chaotic mishmash of geological features, or have rifts in space-time allowed for smooth transition between them? How has the cultural exchange affected politics, factions, and day-to-day lives of the common people? Have the three worlds managed to come to a peaceful accord, or are they at each other's throats in a vicious war? Well, you're free to use any of your past worlds. You gain brownie points with me if you bring back the flying werewolf pirates from the sky of a thousand lands. Thank you again so much for the amazing podcast. And I look forward to all future episodes. Jay, thank you so much for your kind words. And thank you so much for such a fun and interesting prompt. Uh, The tenets, before we truly get into it, tenet number one. The current time frame of the setting is 100 years after the first contact between the two worlds. Number two, no matter the relations between the, th- well, it's three, I'm going to say three, between the three worlds, there has been a cultural, material, and informational exchange that has affected how both sides function as a society for better or worse. Three, neither world should have an immediate advantage over the others. And with that prompt out of the way, 
Let's go ahead and dive right into it. Daniel, kick us off. Introduce us to the world that you want to bring back. So I have a bit of a preamble before that. Uh, oh, my. More, more of a complaining. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what I'm good at. You know, yeah. I mean, frankly, we come to expect this is very on brand. So, yes, by <laughs> yes. all means. <laughs> Uh, so actually, this is double on brand because uh-huh. one preamble, like Daniel, yeah. Daniel stands on a soapbox that's on the mm-hmm. bingo card, and number two, Daniel complains about things. So please yeah. take it away. I will say that oftentimes my preambles are requested. So there's I, I get that. Okay, past, once there was one time there where was, it was requested, <laughs> or or we planned them where we have chosen me to give a little preamble because it was a complicated topic. <laughs> That, that um, is true. That is like true. light speed and such. Mm-hmm. That you you know what? That's true. That is yeah. uh any anytime that's it's boring science corner with Daniel. Yes. Yes, <laughs> of course. I mean I love pontificating, <laughs> but you know. As do I. I mean, there's a reason <laughs> we do this, right? Yeah, of course. Uh all right, all right. Ball busting aside, please get on with it. I apologize. Yeah, but my complaint so I conceptually I hate this. Just so we're clear, um I'll do it, but I do hate it and I'll explain why. Um and I'll explain a possible I'll put something out there that if we would like to think about it, we certainly can. But the reason why I hate this is because it almost forces us to approach this like a video game or an RPG. And the reason why is because when you have all of these worlds we've developed, we developed them, we concluded with them solving and serving specific like narrative goals um, as we created them. So, so for example, you know, you might have a like the the last world I think we did was um, the the one with the time beings. Mm-hmm. That setting has a certain set of themes and um, moods behind it that add up to something. After we've done all the work of creating the worlds, the takeaway is that it, it's about something in particular, narratively, so like thematically. And when you have multiple worlds and you're going to mash them all together. What happens is, is all of that work you've done, I think, for each of those settings, narrative themes either have to be radically adjusted or abandoned, or they get kind of curtailed because you're merging all these together. So the result of merging all these is this kind of like melee smash video game approach, which is fine. It could be a thing, but to me, it's less satisfying because you can't really make sense of all of those narrative themes because they're being mixed together. What I would propose as an option, even though I don't care if we don't do this, but and because it's contrary to the prompt, is rather than taking the literal settings and forcing them to merge together, consider what are in those settings and what they're about and merging those things together. That way we can modify Mm. the settings Mm. as needed to create a new narrative that contains all the things. So if one setting had, I don't know, a post-apocalypse, another setting had a paranormal romance and the third setting had i don't know like vampires i think there's ways to make all those concepts work together but if you have to go back and look at all the specific literal details of them merge them all together you're getting like what's that stupid final fantasy game with the kingdom hearts different kingdom hearts crap you know like i know some people love that but to me it's unsatisfying so that that's my rant just mm-hmm. to be just mm-hmm. a bit on the table I, I do see what you mean i guess i was approaching it more as like alternate universe kind of thing Mm. like not necessarily canon to what actually happens with these worlds but like we can sort of just play around with it um i did also spoilers select a world for like the reason that it was easy to meld in with others thematically Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, see, now I suppose I'm going to be the dissenting voice here because I think that there's something narratively rich in in combining some of the elements here and and creatively kind of interesting that forces us to create something new out of these disparate parts. And mind you, like we might come together and find something new amongst this kind of forced synthesis that I think could be potentially very exciting. So I I personally would like to reject the idea that uh, this is like not we're, we're, we're taking thematic elements from these and mushing them together. And what I would like to propose instead is think about it this way, right? Like we're thinking about a hundred years after these cultures have kind of come together, clashed and merged. So I think what we can do is we can see this as a springboard or like a, a kind of fertile creative ground to see where those elements might have merged. I was thinking that like, you know, when we look at the three factions together, there's probably similar thematic elements that we can kind of approach and then have that expressed through a faction or a particular feature within the setting that can work. I would encourage you, Daniel, to look at this not as a melding of pre-existing settings, but a melding of a collection of tropes that we can then mush together and create something new out of. And Courtney, I would agree. I think this is like, this world will be canonically its own thing, but that doesn't like it does not dilute the legacy of the other worlds that we're going to be talking about here today. I wanted to clarify that as well. I'm so confused because the last thing you said was think about it as merging a collection of tropes from different settings, which is exactly what I'm proposing. So I'm not sure what I'm what I what I'm reacting to is the idea of taking these literal worlds with all of their baggage mm-hmm. and opening magical doorways between them yes. and having them coexist and live together. To me, that's literally yeah. merging the settings together, not working with yeah. their themes or tropes. No, no, no. That That's what I'm proposing as well. But like those worlds are expressed as a, a, a soup of tropes and themes and ideas. And those are just expressions of those things, right? Like I, I don't necessarily differentiate those two ideas, you know? So I think what Daniel is more so saying is like not using the details from worlds, but instead the broader ideas, which is not what you are saying. Correct. Yes. I, I disagree right. with that fundamentally. I was, sorry, I was to make yeah. clarify that we're saying two different things. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> the last thing yeah. you said was was what I was proposing. <laughs> That's why I'm always unclear. Kind of. Kind of. I, I'm suggesting that like we use the details, but like try to decouple how you feel about them. Like mm-hmm. on a personal level, you know what I mean? Like try and see it more as a collection of tropes rather than a hardcore world, even though that's what we're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Kingdom Hearts, here we come. Um, Hell the one yes. I've chosen. Kingdom Hearts I, is good, Daniel. I, Actually, okay. It's gross. Fucking <laughs> hot take. Kingdom Hearts 1 is the best Kingdom Ugh. Hearts. Uh, it has the best no, combat and it has some of the best stuff. Kingdom Hearts 2 is technically better, but realistically the combat's not as good. So it's not as fun to play. And I'll be real with you all. I stopped playing after that because I wanted three and three didn't come out until like 20 fucking years later. So I'm just tossing. It makes me think of those, those terrible lit RPGs or novels, which are going to be called novels of God. (laughs) I I don't know what you're talking about, Daniel. Like that's, that's too broad of a term at this point for me. Lit RPG is a genre of, um, like novels that's literally takes a MMORPG or some other kind of like game and makes a novel out of it. And I mean, that's terrible writing kind of sounds like an isekai as well. The world, 
The one I had chosen was the one with the fighting groups and different in what's it called? Episode 109. It was like Mortal Kombat in space, basically. A battle of a thousand suns. Okay, okay. Can you not sound so dejected while you introduce it? <laughs> like you sound like a man who's been like crushed and you're like, all right, I guess I'll do my corporate nine to five. Oh, that's exactly what I'm doing. I know. It's so heartbreaking, man. Come on. I think you're talking about Battle of a Thousand Suns. Courtney, yes. yes, thank you. That's the one. I'm I'm excited about that. Daniel, why did you choose Battle of a Thousand Suns? Um, I just thought it was like very visually simple to think about. You know, you mm-hmm. had I don't remember if it was interplanetary, but we had a bunch of different fighting groups. They had to fight in different um kind of styles, whether it was with spaceships or with hand to hand. Mm-hmm. And I think they had like some ultra villain who was trying to orchestrate the battle, the overall battle um, in either the sun or in some mega location. I believe it was the sun. I'm pretty sure yeah. that they had to like continue to fight to make yeah. sure that the sun kept burning. Is that, if yeah, that's correct? I think so. Yeah, I think so. It sounds yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that was that, that. I mean, that's a fun one. I think that that's also a pretty smart choice because thematically that's fairly open to interpretation and fairly open to like a good smooshing. Plus, you chose the fighting games. So that's where that's where crossovers are rife to exist. So, yeah, you've opened yourself to a Super Smash Brothers or a Marvel versus Capcom or a Marvel versus SNK or uh blaze blue cross tag battle if you want to go real fucking niche with it but I, I i appreciate it it's a good idea it's a good start and what's interesting is that it actually allows for me to have a, a pretty proper segue here because i didn't go fighting game but i came pretty damn close because i chose our wuxia tower setting which we did way back with cr Rowinson. Big shout out to Clark. How you doing, bud? Hope you're doing well. And uh, I was like, I liked the fact that like we ended that series on what was essentially a cliffhanger where they get to the open tower and they see the kind of vast expanse and all of a sudden their world has changed and expanded. And I'm like, I mean, thematically appropriate, this this suddenly the shift in perspective means that we now get to combine the other two worlds that we're talking about here. And it has all this fun, like wuxia energy, tons of adventure, tons of excitement. And I was just, I just didn't think that wuxia tower got enough love. So I wanted to come back to it. Yeah. And I did not participate in the recording of that one. So my, (laughs) my memory of it is extremely limited. (laughs) Oh, were you not in that one? In the, no, it was just us. It was, Oh, it was uh, you, uh, Clark, and I. We we did that one. That's right. Yeah, that one was cool. Thank you, Daniel. It was really cool. I yeah. think it's like full of like fun, campy action, and like the the setting itself was so wild and interesting. And again, for me, what really cinched it was that ending that we had, where it's like, oh yeah, they open, and then there's like the the clouds that they see below them, and like this is perfect. This is like a great time for us to like meld all that together plus with like wuxia and like mortal Kombat, like i feel like that's a that's like chocolate and peanut butter man so we've got like mm-hmm. a solid creamy adventurous foundation courtney drop a couple of like drops <laughs> of baby blood in there and tell us your <laughs> world what are we combining with our wuxia and fighting game setting that we've got going on 
Um, I did actually specifically go for something that was not horrifically depressing because for some All reason- All right, everyone, you... press X to doubt simultaneously <sighs> and you will banish Courtney. It's totally a thing, I swear. <laughs> so for some reason, you keep accusing me of not liking cute things, which is obviously false. Um, so I- No, up... no, no, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> What is this slander and libel that you're talking about? I've never claimed that you don't like cute things. I'm just saying that your predilection for gore, horror, and misery outweighs your love of cute things. That's all I'm suggesting. Sometimes. Depends on my mood, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up going with The Land of a Thousand Dead Dwarves, which we built in episodes 103 and 104. All oh the way back in July of last year. I do, Okay. I do remember that one. That was the one that had the big polyhedron-headed cat, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's and now And now it's making sense. Now I see why you chose that one thematically. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, to summarize, we had created a sort of like Studio Ghibli-style transit station that sits beyond an astral sea where people oh, travel yeah. between various living realms using food and near-death experiences. Uh, and there's also a Cheshire cat deity-ish thing with an eight-sided die for a head that Rob mentioned, which uh, I'm leaving out a lot here. So I do recommend checking out that series if you have a chance. It's a lot of fun. Of course. But I, I thought it was a good uh, candidate for this episode because the whole premise of that one was that it was a sort of plane between various worlds that could connect things. And it was actually kind of in the process of unraveling due to the villain that we had created. So I think that might be a good like way to link up all these worlds in the end. Yeah, that that unraveling, like I think, was it a mouse that we made it? Is that it was a, a rat yeah, king rat. who may have right. also been a dwarf also. Right, right, but, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so all of that works remarkably well. You are literally <laughs> just doing like, a, we're just doing a Super Smash Brothers now at this point. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But I th- it, it works pretty goddamn well i think actually this is like pretty intriguing now that i think about Mm. it yeah so besides narrative ease courtney what drew you to that particular setting anyway um definitely just the the vibe of it it was i mean we had a cat with an eight-sided die for a head and a rat king and evil rat beings that were unwinding the yarn Mm. of creation it was just like a, a fun kind of vibe Mm -hmm. sort of a a bizarre creative goofy creation that we came up with lots of twee and mischief which is like a good and fun thing yeah i would Mm -hmm. agree with that yeah great oh man this is uh so this is this is really interesting already so uh, i suppose what's what's particularly interesting about your choice here courtney is the idea that like that world was fairly transitory, if I remember mm. correctly. Yeah. So, so like, how do we not then connect all of them together? There, there must have been something that happened that has since, like, not entirely blocked it off, but, like, hard stuck these three particular settings together. That's mm. my guess. Is that the one with the dwarves who had kind of like a um, Lord of the Rings-esque epic kind no. of story in mountains no no, no that's of... the that's the dragon one and that's oh, the right. one that you where you introduce your um elves trapped in crystal i believe yeah, yeah, yeah. transformed so into crystal was, yeah that's that's a different one in this one so that's that was land of a thousand dwarves this is land yeah. of a thousand dead dwarves <laughs> get it to together, 
<laughs> so, so what was the? I, I have some image. I definitely remember the the cat. But what were the dwarves up to in that setting? So it was Mostly it was a really dead. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was a weird setting because we were sort of dealing with multiple planes of existence. There was like the oh. the living worlds, the in between, and the the land of the dead, which was the the transit station. Oh. And the in-between was the astral sea that the people traveled on mm-hmm. to get between these places. And then the mm-hmm. living realms were all inhabited by dwarves, which is actually Rob's decision, shockingly yes. enough. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you chose such an easy and accessible setting <laughs> for us to dive into, Yes, Courtney. yes. Any, anytime, anytime. <laughs> um, so in the living realm, it was there was stuff about like dwarves literally um chiseling their grudges into physical objects oh, right. which was okay. what anchored them to the living realms I did cool. I do remember yeah. that one yeah, yeah. and I, I kind of think that maybe in some way the the astral sea and the station got disconnected from that like mm-hmm. multiverse of realms and mm. then came over here and connected with your two worlds because um, I'm almost less interested in the like physical realm of the dwarves and their grudge stones and more interested in dealing with like the, the cat and the yarn of creation and all that. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, I, I think that is a great element that can literally stitch all of these world, this disparate worlds together. Mm-hmm. And then we can kind of like mix and match what we want to take and what we want to like smush together and stuff like that so, or, or remove from certain aspects as well. So that's, that's very intriguing actually. Yeah. Yeah, my mind's melting a little bit based on what we're talking about here. But that's also uh, one of my favorite moments of recording that podcast was like introducing the dwarves and everyone losing their shit. I was like, this is a proud moment for me because I'm like, I'm going to spitefully insert dwarves into this goddamn setting and blow everyone's goddamn mind. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Go go back and just listen to that part. If you're going to go back and listen to anything like that bit is like, ooh, that's a chef's kiss moment right there. Mm-hmm. Actually, Courtney, can you edit in that moment for the podcast, like so people can vicariously relive that moment? Do you think that's something you could do? I, I think so. Yes. Ooh. All right. So we're going to cut to that now. Speaking of Norse mythology, uh, I actually want to <laughs> dip into my next tenet which is um, the primary species of this world are dwarves and their anchor is a grudge that they carve into stone. (laughs) The fuck (laughs) did you just say? Who are you and what have you done with Rob? What is happening? (laughs) Yeah, that's my tenet, guys. So uh, I think we've just gone into an alternate timeline. We've split off from from the norm. (laughs) Oh my god. The the fact that most of you are speechless is is very gratifying, I have to say. Wow. And see, wasn't that moment so fun, everyone? Remember those times? Remember that <laughs> back in the plague years? Wow. Oh, that was something. Anyway, let's continue on building our own mishmash of worlds. Daniel, introduce to us and our new combined world. Your first major, well, it's technically the second tenet because the first tenet was finding the world that we're mishmashing here. But anyway, tell us what your tenet is for this new trifold world. (laughs) So my tenet was the thing that I had posed in the beginning, but I don't have a tenet other than that. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> oh, oh, the the thing where you like stamped your feet and said no, thank you. That one, yes, was, to, was uh, divorcing the the literal things from their what they mean. Okay, um, okay. Don't know what the is that. Is. Well, well, hold on. Now that we've introduced these kind of disparate elements, is there a way that we can like do that that's thematically appropriate to what we're building here? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure about that? Because we've introduced the polyhedron cat and the world unravelers. So like what the world unraveler could technically do is literally break down certain aspects of each of these settings to disparate parts, to thematic elements, and then restitch them together. So it's all thematically appropriate in world based on the stuff that we've created. Yeah, and actually, the uh, the cat being in our dead dwarves world was uh, it was basically playing with yarn and like creating mishmashes of things. So that that also does fit. So it, we could have we could have our cake and eat it too with the settings that we've created here. We can have these elements that are standalone, stand firm on their own, and then you have this fourth kind of new hybrid thing that is a result of these polymerizations of culture settings and all that good stuff. Is that satisfying to you, Daniel? Like, I feel like that's like the I perfect. I don't even know what that means. Honestly, <laughs> like I know what it means. Literally. Like you're going to create some kind of use the, the cat creature as an, as a linchpin for merging the settings. Um, you still have setting soup. So I don't know. I don't know if that means anything thematically. It just means that you've, your way of making it into a multiverse is the cat unraveling the other universes to become one. Well, no, what I'm suggesting is that there is now four parts. There's the three separate worlds that are, are like adjacent and basically touching, like they're merged together. But then the cat is trying to create, you're, you're the cat, Daniel. You're the, the cat is trying to unbind and then rebind everything into a new cohesive unit. And so like we have everything coming together where it's like it's a little bit of soup, but there is a new soup that's separate. That is like basically its own new thing. So you're saying this, the creature from that setting is selecting pieces from the others to make a new setting. Yeah, it's basically what you're trying to do. and But we have a narrative conceit for it now. I figured that that was the direction that we were going in anyway. Uh-huh. That's what my take was anyway. Well, right. But I want to cement the idea that what's happening is the three worlds are still their own separate, unique cultures that are all still together. But uh, OK, l- let me see if I can try and explain this in a better way, because I, I want it to be that the elements are literally being broken down and that there are resistances in those separate worlds to that happening. Like the Wuxia tower don't like the idea that this cat is doing this. And so maybe has formed an alliance with our mortal combat setting to prevent this from happening. Maybe, maybe what binds these three, three worlds together are the idea that they want to maintain their core identities, that they in some way have banded together and created, ironically, a new culture out of this conflict that's arisen from this cosmic cat. Yeah, I mean, I think that can work mechanically. I don't think that that divorces any themes from any of the settings. Like, I think we're still, like, taking the literal settings and some qualities of their plot and characters Mm -hmm. and making a new setting out of them. 
and I'm okay with that because we're not going to do it from a thematic point of view. But I don't think that has anything to do with the settings mean in mm-hmm. the end of the day. Okay. I mean, we can, I, I suppose that we can just uh, move on from that point then. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's at least a fun conceit narratively that we can make this all work, right? Yeah, it would work mechanically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, notice that Daniel said nothing about fun. Just like, yes, it was. <laughs> Daniel, despite not being Ger- actually, Daniel, are you in any way German? Because goddamn, you act like it sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I just like I'm not sold on the idea that this can be meaningful. Is what I mean. It doesn't necessarily have to be meaningful. It just has to be fucking fun. And that's where we derive meaning is from the fun and excitement we create from it. Well, that's what I was saying. It's like we can make a video game out of this, but I don't mm-hmm. think we can make a story that is meaningful. That's what I'm trying oh, to say. Oh, I completely disagree yeah. with that. I don't, I don't think I would ever want to read a novel about this because I'd have to read three right. other novels to make and, sense and of what I'm reading. That's, that's totally acceptable to me. Mm-hmm. Well... Courtney, why don't you hit us with your second tenet and tell us what we're adding to this world that we've got going on here. All right. Um, yeah, I wasn't totally sure how to approach our second tenets, but basically mine is that given that food had played such a huge role in the mm. land of a thousand dead dwarves um, and it had these magical properties, I'm going to say that the magical properties now exist in this combined world's food. Uh, like we were just talking about in our November patron exclusive AFIP-bound episode. Oh, my. oh the it plug would, is mm, insane. Yeah. <laughs> the skills are off Thank the you. charts. Um, it would be fun to have, you know, different creatures and ingredients lead to different magical effects when you eat the food. And I, I didn't want to define this too much beforehand because I wanted to see what you guys had brought for your settings. Um, but now that we have those laid out, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I don't think we had any food-related stuff from Battle of a Thousand Suns. I think that was all yeah. just punching. <laughs> no, actually, we, we very demonstrably made it so it was more than just punching. It was. It was also like there was a there was like racing in there as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, true. And like there were other forms of competition. There's star fighting, I think. Yeah, yeah. Daniel added in star fighting. That's correct. Yep. So I mean, we can technically toss in like. A food like a cooking competition yeah. here. I'm thinking of a, a video game that I haven't really played. I tried it at as a demo at like PAX East years ago, but Battle Chef Brigade. Which I is remember a, that as yeah. well. Yeah. It was a game where you like part of it was, you know, going out and killing creatures and collecting ingredients from the wild. And then the other part was like a cooking competition where you kind of fought another chef by way of cooking stuff using the ingredients that you had found. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, de- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this segues beautifully with my Wuxia tower tenant, which is I, I did something similar to you, Courtney, where I took one of the things that I found really compelling about the setting I wanted to introduce. And I was like, how can I introduce that into the, like the new world that we're creating? And in Wuxia tower, there was this thing, there was this idea of like competition and mastery. Right. And in that, like you, you would become like, oh, I want to become the master of a skill or a fighting style. And like there were there were a bunch of masters and it was basically you gained these. uh, Daniel, do you remember if they were medals or if they were or like symbols or seals or something exactly? Um, I don't I don't remember what they carried. I know they had had something to do with their um, 
ability to go deeper into the tree thing. Right, right, right. It was it was the ability to send higher into the tower is what mm-hmm. it was. And I'm just trying to remember exactly. That had to do with light from the sun or something. Um, I think that's something. Oh, yes. No, you're absolutely right mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. Well, regardless, there is this, there's this idea that these masteries and um, like competitions exist where you basically do these things to train yourself to become better. It's about it's about self-improvement. And one thing that I wanted to keep about that is there I wanted to keep this idea of like competition and self-improvement that is like spread throughout the three. So these forms of masteries still exist, but we can now expand them based on the additional worlds that we're introducing here. So these forms of masteries aren't just about ascending the, t- ah, Oh, wait a minute. Hmm? Um, so originally in, in Wuxia tower, it was about ascending the very literal world. It would, because the world itself was confined to a singular tower. And the idea was you gain this mastery and to, to climb the tower, to explore the tower better. Now I'm thinking that there's like, there's like this kind of tempestuous, like fourth spire tower that's made out of yarn and like <laughs> creation. And so that element still exists is that it's just a grander version of the tower. It And not just grander in like a physical sense, but a grander in terms of like thematically, like you now have to, it, it's not just about physical perfection and like learning how to swim and fight and climb better. It's about like, spiritual ascension as well. It's about, oh, I need to learn how to walk through the river of death. And it's a literal river of death or something like that, because the tower now demands more of you because it is ascended beyond just a physical realm. Hmm. So the tower is sticks into other realities. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that works because in the land of a thousand dead dwarves, it was all about like, shifting and traveling between these realms. And so it's like, okay, in Wuxia Tower, it's like, oh, there's only like 13 masteries or however many masteries to learn until you can become a master and ascend it. And then now all of a sudden it's like, you went from like 13 out of 13 and then this this cat shows up and you're now 13 out of 875 or like 120 <laughs> or something like that. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're where you once were a master. It's like, Oh, you're an accolade again. You, it's kind of like in, in video games where, Oh, I'm playing super Metroid and I'm a badass from the previous game. And all of a sudden I'm depowered because it's a new game and we need to start you over from level one again, you know, like something like that. So are we um, like, what's the perspective of the setting? Like is the perspective one of these worlds? Um, I'm just trying to position, like, if I was the omniscient narrator or the first person perspective, like, what am I looking at? I mean, that's an excellent question. I, I, I think that um, where where do we want to point the camera, so to speak? Where do we want that narrative conceit to be? I, I think it's easiest if we have, like, a group coalition of, like, the three disparate worlds and, like, bringing them together or, like, either a council or we have a perspective from an individual like kind of realm. What would you prefer? What do you think is most interesting? I mean, I had been thinking of this setting as like a literal smash together three worlds that, you know, we're, we're dealing with a hundred years after the fact and like the Mm -hmm. aftermath of that. Um, So in my view, I guess like the point of view would just be somebody who's 
like this is their normal life, but maybe to their mm. ancestors, it's like, what the fuck is this? We're still kind of stuck in the past. How do we, how do we reflect that exactly? The difficulty for me is making sense of three separate histories. Like it seems like there's so much baggage, right? Whereas if I don't know if we're picking and choosing bits of these, but it's, it sounds like so far these three realities exist with all their histories and they've mm -hmm. now been placed on top of each other. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So I guess I would then want to approach it from that, like, this is the normal sort of point of view, like somebody mm -hmm. who's, you know, 20 years old on this world that's only been combined for 100 years and maybe just start sort of looking at what bits we want to keep from each one and like how we can build on top of that foundation and you know what's changed what's stayed what's been lost during this transition the problem for me is like i don't know how well, i don't know what these things mean when they're mixed together right anymore mm -hmm. so like when i when i approach any of the world build stuff we do i try to think about like what does this mean within its genre or whatever and so everything I add or will contribute towards that. So like if it's say a vampire setting and it's dreary, I try to think towards like the gloom or the despair, or whatever's whatever's mm. a play in the conflict. I have no idea what the conflict is here. <laughs> There's just a bunch of painted aspects, you know. All right. So well, I don't want you to be like unenthused. So like maybe. Maybe what we do is, and maybe, admittedly, maybe I was a bit too quick to dismiss like your kind of tenet that you wanted to introduce and like make it like more thematic. So, but I don't, I don't want to like immediately a hundred percent give up on that tenet from Jay. So like, what would you propose as like kind of a like a counter argument, Daniel, or like what, like some kind of a concession or like something like that? Um. So I'm thinking because. The, the settings have particularly weird stuff in them that I like. I, so I like the idea of serendipity. Like you mix things together and some weird stuff happens mm -hmm. like in general. Mm -hmm. So maybe like what we can do is, is extract some, some particular specific thing, divorce it from its history, but then like use it in our own one for our own purposes. Okay. You know, like, so for example, like say in the Wusha one, you could extract the tower or the concept of the tower. I mean, that's know. exactly what I was going to do anyway. Right. So yeah, that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like and then in Courtney's case, like she really loves the cat, you know. Love that cat. And, so we yeah, want to so take like, like, maybe we want to take like one concrete thing from each setting. Uh -huh. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah. Hmm. And you could even recast it. Like, so maybe it's, if you wanted to take the cat, but you wanted it to be a diamond shaped horse you know? <laughs> this like, is fucking blasphemy and i will not stand for it thank you, you very could much. you could do that um you know at the same time like i don't want to strong arm us into anything it's mm. just that like we have limited time so it's not like we have a lot of options to right like we've, we've already worked you know? quite a bit through this yeah yeah, yeah. I, at the outset i would have say just jettison me and bring in like cr or undercommon taste friend but we're at wit's end. So. Don't worry. Daniel will eventually remember people's names. Um. Right. Yeah, it's the drugs. Uh, yeah, I, I do like that idea. It's kind of, it keeps us from having to get too in the weeds as far as like what exactly we're carrying over and what like thousands of different facets mm. of these settings that would need to kind of commingle. Um, and I guess we could still work in our, like, Rob, you and I, we had tenants around, like, mm -hmm. mine was the food one. So we could mm -hmm. still have, like, magical food 
and we could still keep your like self-improvement self-mastery kind of well i was i was more interested in the idea of like keeping the uh the idea of like self-mastery through competition like kind of like a self-competition type thing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah um so i mean like yeah i mean those tenets still work technically and mind you like I would have loved nothing more than to like work through the fiddly bits of like how to mash all of these different points together. But for the sake of brevity and for the sake of uh, cohesion, uh, let's yeah. Why don't we go ahead and roll with that idea then? Like I'm so I want to keep the uh, concept of the tower being a major part of it. It might not be the entirety of it, but I Mm. love the idea of like a massive tower that is the world essentially, or like at least most of the world. I I find that concept kind of fascinating, especially if we're keeping the kind of the cat deity from Courtney's chosen setting. Is, is the tower just a giant cat tower? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) kind of, right. But I think if we add in like the, the cat, it allows us to wrap the whole tower in a kind of like weird spiritual kind of matter or and i mean that like in you can literally now wrap planes of death around it and Mm -hmm. you know kind of like astral planes and stuff like that so it allows for this kind of level up to the tower like this unlocks new mastery it's basically dlc or like opening up to a new area it's like oh your max level got increased so now you have to go and master these other things you know so so it does allow for an expansion of the previous idea that i do appreciate so um, yeah, I'll, I'll keep the, the shape of the tower and everything. Um, Daniel, what do you want to keep from your uh, Mortal Kombat world setting? Um, I think what I could insert is um, they had a sense Watch of urgency. <laughs> they had a sense of urgency, um, I guess, in defeating that that bad guy. Mm-hmm. So um, what I might bring into this one is a kind of a countdown. So something terrible mm-hmm. will happen mm-hmm. in a certain length of time unless it's it's averted. So it's like a clock. Oh, okay. So we want to keep like kind of the, well, let's be more specific and more direct when it comes to that. Right. Because in that Mm -hmm. setting, it was about the sun literally going out and like feeding heroes into it. Right. Oh, so maybe whatever is the power source or the, the core of this tower is going to go out. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Could it possibly be the ocean at the core of it? Because we made the ocean core a big part of it before. Mm-hmm. And so now I just imagine like you have like heroes basically being burned in the ocean, like uh, Viking style, but it's like to keep the ocean going to keep the core kind of pulsating and stuff like that. Yeah. So like maybe, yeah, maybe if the ocean's the core of the thing, maybe that's being diminished at a certain deadline. Okay. I like that idea because it means that like the oceans are receding and that is more terrifying for some right. reason to me like that. Oh, our oceans are just gone now, you know, like, and, and the only way to do it is to feed it like hero blood basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that to me, yeah. Okay. That's, that's pretty dope actually. And I like the kind of mixture, the the combination that's happening there as well. So Courtney, are we in fact keeping the cat or is it, or did you want to keep something else besides, because you already have the food. That's awesome. But specifically the cat or what's going on? What's your uh, yeah, addition think- here? I think specifically the cat, it's like one of the stronger images from that setting mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm. And I do like the idea of this, this like chaos creature roaming mm-hmm. around this tower, like running around, fucking stuff up. Yeah. I, I think it's like a fun thing to have. Included. Okay. And and terrifying. I mean, like yeah. it's yeah. a literal god <laughs> being, you know, like yep. a little scary. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. So if we're doing that, if we're keeping the literal physical cat god, is that a separate celestial entity from the tower itself? Because that to me adds a layer of kind of like religiosity or spirituality that might be really interesting. Like kind of these waxing and waning opposing spiritual forces. So like there's the tower itself and then there's like the cat and the cat could be seen as like the devil basically or, or vice versa. <laughs> You know, like, I, I think that there could be kind of some kind of interesting spiritual play between the tower and the cat itself. Yeah, I like the idea of the spiritual play, although I kind of want to keep the cat like as interacting with the tower mm -hmm. in its natural state. I guess I want to keep it simple. And in that way, I don't want to like overcomplicate things by oh, you know, ha oh, no. having like a billion planes of existence and stuff. So. Oh no, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I'm not okay. suggesting that this is like some kind of like beyonder level, like celestial deity. Like, okay. It okay. is still very much a physical force on the tower itself, but like yeah. there's this idea that when people look at this thing and they look at the tower, those are basically the two deities at play here. Yeah. It's almost like the tower is this like signal of order and mm -hmm. like and stability. Then the and then the cat yeah, is yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. chaos mischief thing. Okay, since we're going like completely off the rails here, uh, not completely, but since we're going slightly off the rails, can we also have it so the cat is capable of unraveling things as well? <laughs> speaking speaking of, of cats. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you heard me talking about you? Is that what's <laughs> happening? Um, but no, like I, I like the idea like that these threads of existence still are here and mm. the cat just so happens to be able to manipulate them. Like in the original setting, we had it. So the rats were doing that. Yeah. Um, but I like this idea that the cat now has the ability to do that. And that's what's doing it. Yeah, I could. I think that works because, yeah, in the original, it was like the rats were unwinding, but the cat was also like playing with it and kind of making stuff out of mm -hmm. that yarn. Mm -hmm. So I think it I mean, it was still definitely interacting with it in some way. So, OK. Could the could the cat be unraveling the tower slowly? I was, yeah. I was literally just thinking it's like that day. Using yes, it as a scratching yeah. post and mm -hmm, just keeps mm -hmm. pulling yarn out. Yeah. And, and I mean you're it's scratching the tower and like it, it's causing damage to the tower as well. But when mm -hmm. it like scratches into the stone itself, like it reveals these threads of creation or something like that. Is this a, a natural thing that happens? Like the cat is by design meant to do that, or is this something new that's happening? I like the idea that it's something new, like that this mm -hmm. creature is like an invader. Okay. And it's like, I mean, the tower itself is creation, right? Like that's kind of how it was in the Wuxia setting, right? Mm -hmm. And this idea that it, the cat is slightly undoing creation just by being a cat and adding chaos and stuff, I think it's thematically appropriate. And I also think it's just really interesting to kind of approach it that way. Yeah, I'm down for it being a, a newer entity. Though I'm curious, like what would have brought it there or would it be born of the tower itself for some reason i think that that is uh lore that we deal with later and just yes. kind of like deal with the consequences of what we have now right now you know yeah that works one thought i had to thinking about your where the cat comes from the dead dwarf setting and your food principle mm -hmm. i'm reminded of you know eating the food of the dead and how that can bind you to the realm of the dead yeah mm -hmm. There's something we can do with that. Oh, if there's like, if if the tower is the realm of creation, you know, is there, I don't want to create more realms, but is there a place of the dead, perhaps at the bottom of the tower and eating food from it in some way has an effect? Mm. I mean, it doesn't have to be the bottom of the tower. It can be the core of the tower. We can have the oceans be dead yeah. oceans. Yeah. Oh, to drink from the waters. 
yeah, it's it's kind of like the river sticks, but you know, not mm-hmm. exactly. Um, yeah, okay, so it took some pivoting, but I think that we're in a better place with everything now. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that we want to talk? Because man, there's a lot that we got to get into now here. Is the tower the world, or is it the center of creation in this place? Yes, yes, that's correct. <laughs> so what I'm asking is like, <laughs> are there realms? Like, is there a landscape outside of the tower or are people just in the tower? I'm going to say that we're going to keep it to the original scope of Wuxia Tower and early Wuxia Tower before we know that there's like outside of the tower itself. So for the time being and for like kind of the conceit, I'm going to say that this tower is all people know right now. And the inside of this contains some kind of um, waters of death, it seems. Correct. Correct. Which are threatening to go out or recede, which is why they need to continuously send dead heroes towards the, mm. the ocean itself. So we have heroes that sacrifice themselves to the waters or maybe they sail into it and you don't know what happens mm-hmm. to them. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I imagine that that's probably like kind of the last thing that you do on your hero's journey is. Yeah, it's it's thematically kind of like a journey into death, but it's also like the final frontier of exploration is mm-hmm. seafaring this dead ocean. Is this something people have been starting to do because the tower is unraveling or is it part of their culture from the beginning? Ooh, that's a very good question. Because I could see if it's something they've been doing as part of their culture, I could see it have been interpreted differently in the past. Like it's an ascension to your mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. but maybe now it's seen as a, a sacrifice to keep the tower from unraveling. Yeah, maybe it's like maybe because the cat is there, the nature of the ocean has changed or it's like deteriorating faster than it was before. So oh, more sacrifices are needed or maybe a oh. different kind of sacrifice. Okay. Okay. Idea. So because this cat causes damage to the tower itself, the tower self repairs, right? But by doing so, it drinks from the waters of the dead. Uh, So because this cat is there causing damage to creation itself, it basically requires more soul stuff to replenish it. And naturally this is like, yeah, you'd have a full ocean. No problem. Like nothing is really capable of doing enough damage to the tower consistently enough Mm -hmm. where this is an issue. But because we now have this kind of chaos cat god, it's now like throwing that previously established balance out of whack. Ooh, I'm also seeing if, if say, like at the beginning, for us, was a problem, the, the, the ocean inside was kind of like, you know, like one of those beautiful elven oceans with a golden sunset as now it's getting bad. So things are receding and the oceans are getting smaller and it's revealing ocean floor, mm. which I can imagine being mm. this horrific landscape. You have to travel through to get to the ocean to Ooh. put yourself on sale. That's it's cool. you're creating like a weird dungeon. That's just like yeah. a bunch of shipwrecks as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. I can, I can support that as well. And um, remember that we had the ocean in the Wuxia tower, like kind of glow with an energy in it would ebb and flow with magical energy. And I still think that we can keep that element as well and still have everything that we're kind of dealing with here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also to bring in more from the battle of a thousand suns, Daniel, and also kind of dying in like the idea of self mastery is um, I imagine that groups in this tower would be sending like their strongest warriors or their, their brightest scholars into this to try to solve the issue. So like they're constantly kind of training and 
pushing people out who are like the best at what they do. Maybe, uh, maybe there's even a tournament that's held mm, on a annual yeah. basis or something like that, where it's like, you know, the, the champions, the one who gets the like honor of like trying to fend off or fight this kind of like specific thing. And then it's like, I, I I'm not sure, but like the element is mm. there. I think we can still keep the fighting tournament aspect of it and have it be thematically appropriate to both. Wuxia Tower and Battle of a Thousand Suns. Mm-hmm. I could see um, perhaps there's many different sort of realm spaces on this tower, right? Different regions. Mm-hmm. And perhaps there's one main entrance to this ocean and it has some kind mm-hmm. of like ritual or riddle to get past, like some challenge. And so you send everyone from all these regions to normally you would send them to compete, to send the best hero through to ascend. But in this case, you're sending the best hero through to help combat what's happening on the other side. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I love that idea. Here's what we can do with it. So once per year, this, uh, the, the tide like ebbs to the point where a gate opens or like something, some kind of natural, like opening opens. Mm -hmm. And so it's a race. So all of the champions, they're fighting against each other, but they're also fighting against the tower itself to get to that point. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like a cave opens up in the ocean. Something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Right. And then, so that way we have, we have the tournament aspect. We have like the self mastery aspect. We have all of these elements really coming together and that's really fucking dope. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. With the, the ebb and flow idea, like a few minutes back, I was kind of thinking of the tower as a hourglass where it's like kind of turning and mm. things inside are shifting. And that's why the sacrifices have to be made to like keep the balance. So I'm wondering if that idea can work there where it's like there's some component of it where the ocean is like shifting around inside of the tower. So it's it's both depleting and shifting. And oh. when it shifts a certain way, that's when this is revealed And then they have like a limited amount of time to get in there and do what they need to do. Okay. Yes. Yes. I (laughs) I very much appreciate that. Hmm. Here's what I would also like to do. One, we can tie it to like a lunar cycle because why not? Like those are cool. Mm -hmm. And two, I like the idea that maybe the entrance shifts every year. So it's like never clear. Um, It's it's uh always clear when it's going to happen, but never clear as to where it's going to happen. So that's why it's always a mad scramble that you can't really prepare entirely for. It's not like a faction can fight and like maintain control over this gate area because that area shifts every year. How do we feel about that? I like it. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. That imitates the um, hourglass. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I completely agree. And maybe it could be like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's like a big whirlpool or something like that. And like that, like it's a whirlpool to the to the ocean floor that also opens up to a greater mm-hmm. area or something like that. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here now. I mean, I think the idea of a, of a newly revealed landscape that makes it even harder to get to the, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the landscape is like after the doorway or before, because I don't know is the, is the climax of the challenge getting to the door or is it what happens beyond? It seems like it's getting to the door because normally that's what it would be. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what it is. It's like getting to the door. It's like a mad mm. scramble to get to it. And, you know, like the first one through or something like that, you know. Mm. The first half of the story seems to be like the challenge getting to the door. And then the other half seems to be like what happens beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. All right. 
I feel like we're in a really good place with this. Like the, the thematic elements that we're tying together, everything that we're tying together is really working for me. I feel like we can stop and well, we need to stop obviously, cause we've been going for a while now, but we need to do a wrap up, a, a, a rewind, a summary of our tenets, and then we can roll for the twist and uh, go from there. How's that sound? That works for me. Excellent. Daniel, you ready? Yeah. All right. So our first tenet, which was to reveal which setting we're drawing from. Uh, Daniel, which setting did you choose to draw from? This was the um, fighting tournament people from episode 109, I think. Battle of a Thousand Sons. Thank you, Courtney. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for keeping us on brand. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yep. Uh, and speaking of, uh, mine was Wusha Tower, one of the rare non-thousanded something. And I, I, I attribute that to Clark. Thank you, Clark, for allowing me to name things that aren't after a thousand. But anyway, uh, yeah, Wusha Tower is what I chose for mine. Uh, and I think that we've thematically appropriately added stuff to that. Daniel, would you say that we've kept, yeah, I mean, we have the tournament and everything. So I'd say we nailed that as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Now, Courtney, what was yours? Uh, I went with the Land of a Thousand Dead Dwarves from 103 and 104. Mm. Worth a listen, I would argue. Yes. Yes. Yep. And uh, the element that we were, the big element that we're taking from that is our polyhedron-headed cat god thing, Mm -hmm. right? That's right, yep. Okay, excellent. So, uh, second round of tenets, Daniel, your first tenet, which we... Initially rejected and then came back to and be like, all right, we'll we'll play ball with you, you son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> why don't you why don't you remind us what that tenet was? This is to um rather than literally merge these settings, we interpret them and take what they are, their concepts, and put them together into a new setting. Mm. And and frankly, I feel like we've been able to do both. Like I feel like we've had our cake and eaten it too, considering that we've stolen concrete things that we're mashing together here. So I'm still happy that we're fulfilling all of the needs of Jay. I mean, not all of them, but at least the ones that are world build with us related. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my second tenant. Oh, actually, Courtney, I think you went next with this one. So yeah. Why don't you tell us your tenant here? That was the, basically in land of a thousand dead dwarves, food played a really big role. So I wanted magical food to have a role in the setting. Mm-hmm. So like ingesting different ingredients in different forms can give you different effects and powers and whatnot. Mm. I I feel like we can definitely explore that that more. more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that something that would be best left for like factions and whatnot? I could see building it there, but also Daniel, before you had mentioned like different regions of the tower. So Mm. I'm, I'm picturing like different zones that have different creatures and ingredients available. And like Mm. maybe the various like clans or whatever in each area have their own cuisine and that yeah, all different has different effects yeah absolutely exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. and then they can use that in their adventure into the the dying ocean i could see that if they if perhaps there's a problem when you're traveling in the ocean that if you don't have food that's not from the land of the dead you grow less powerful or weaker oh. and maybe that's why it's important oh. to have food that's from the land really of the cool. living that's really yeah. good too yeah, yeah that's really good actually i like that yeah, me too. That's like what keeps you rooted in that uh-huh. living yeah, self. But once you run you out, it's like, who knows what's going to happen to mm-hmm. you? Yeah, you become a jade. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you kind of forget that you're alive. Well, then you, you want to eat the food of the dead and then you then you end up fucked because you have to stay in the land mm-hmm. of the dead. Yeah, there yeah. you go. There you go. Ooh, that's good. I like yeah. that. That's lore yeah. building right there. Hell yeah. 
Um, and then mine was, I wanted to make sure that we had a, a sense of like self improvement, self mastery and like competition. And we've, we've absolutely kept that. We've nailed that. I'm not worried about that in the slightest. We've talked about that quite a bit. So I feel like, yeah, that does it. We nailed it. Great job us. Um, is it time to roll the twist? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yes. All right. So our twist this time is going to be. God damn it. Okay. Add in some time travel. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we like just simplified the setting uh, and now we we're just literally fuck it just up yeah we literally just simplified stuff. Oh man. Okay, it can work. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we can I definitely think, make yeah. it work. I've already got mm-hmm. ideas that I think we can make happen. So I mean spoilers for the next episode, but Courtney literally called it an hourglass shaped yeah. tower. Yeah. Like, come <laughs> fuck on, guys. We've got right. this. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. That's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Uh, A big thank you to our patron, Jay, for suggesting this prompt. Thank you so much to all of our patrons for supporting us and all of our listeners as well. You deserve shout outs. Thank you all so much. Remember, of course, that if you want to become one of our patrons, get access to early episodes, exclusive episodes, and all sorts of other little goodies, you can go to our Patreon, worldbuildwithus.com. Follow the link, all that good stuff. Or if you just want us to build your world, you can always go to our website for that as well. Worldbuildwithus.com. Click the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. That will do it for this episode of World Build With Us. And remember that we love you very much. And we're going to get through this together. Until next week. Mm-hmm.